Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library my Haida my Kia and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge with Alison and Inika, brought to you from our home studios. Kia ora, Inika. Kia ora, Alison. How are you? Well, look, I'm very well today, thanks. And you too, Mrs? Oh, yeah. Trucking along. <laughs> that is good. Well, look, hey, we've got some good books to recommend today, so let's get started. Sounds good. Yeah. Now, look, oh, I've got to tell you about this one. It's called All Day is a Long Time, and it's by a writer called David Sanchez. Now, it's just published, and this one is available in our um, in hard copy in our adult fiction section. So this debut novel is a coming-of-age story that really packs a punch. So at first I thought I was in for the, you know, kind of the vibe of J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye, which is one of my all-time favourites. And, you know, I was kind of right about that and kind of wrong again. So, or wrong, wrong again, wrong as well. And again, so the book is set on the the Gulf Coast of Florida, and it's a story about going to hell and back, basically. It follows our narrator, David, on his long and complex path through addiction and recovery. And I'm guessing that this is autobiographical fiction, Mm. although I'm not 100% sure on that, but but that's my, my guess. So we... First meet David when he is 14 and he's run away from home because he's um, trying to get in touch with a, a girl from school who he really likes. But on his journey, he, um, through a, a bit of a long story, he tries crack cocaine for the very first time and he's hooked instantly on this drug. And, you know, this is the tragedy of these kind of substances because the the brain's pleasure centre just keeps seeking them out. And David finds that he will do anything. He'll rob anyone. He'll steal anything just to get that next hit. So now this is where I should come in with a content warning. The scenes of drug taking throughout the story are quite explicit, Mm -hmm. I would have to say. So now somehow throughout all the chaos and the awfulness of his life, he reads things like Moby Dick, Dante, Hemingway, Milton, um, probably Salinger, I'm sure. Um, now, and there's something about these books that keeps him going, although he's really only hanging on by a thread. And now the book takes us through the next decade and um, he's in and out of jail and rehab. He's trying to make sense of the world around him, um, a, a sunken world where faith in anything actually is, is a privilege. And he makes his way to a, a very fragile sobriety, but it isn't until he um, takes a, a literature class at a local community college that something within him ignites. And it's a really exciting something. So 
you're probably thinking that this story and its settings sound pretty grim. But, you know, there are lighter moments, um, particularly about um, being in the institutions such as rehab centres, psych wards, even jail cells. Because if we look hard enough, we can find humour anywhere. Um, some of the funny things that happen in his jail cell um, certainly make made me laugh out loud, but they were a bit... I wouldn't really want to repeat them here <laughs> on the... They were to do with uh, bodily functions. Let's, let's <laughs> put it that way. So, but now, really, this is a spectacular, raw account of growing up and managing against really every expectation, managing to carve out a place for hope. And we see what it means and what it takes to come back from a place of very little control to to find a place for ourselves in the world. It's it's gritty, it's grimy and intimate. It sears with heat and, and captivates the reader, but comes from a place of true originality. Um, and this book demonstrates the redemptive power of the written word and the way that reading can change lives. Now, I was hooked from the first page of this book and I found that I read it in just a couple of settings. So it's highly, highly recommended. And uh, that one's called All Day is a Long Time by David Sanchez. Sounds so interesting, Alison. It, it's actually um, fury, you might be able to see me furiously looking at my holds list because it's actually a um, a biography coming out soon, not by this author, but with a really similar story about the redemption of um, reading in in jail. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's so, interesting, isn't it? I wish I could find yeah. the title, but maybe by the end of the episode, I will have found it. Yeah, yeah. And I can feel, it, feel a book list coming on. Absolutely. So... This book, All Day is a Long Time, kind of segues into my next review. So I'm going to just um, be greedy and I'll do the next one as well. You go for it and I'll and, do my searching. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'll um, I'll explain or you'll realise why I wanted to come on to this one. So the next book um, is called, it's a novel and it's called Chemistry by um, a young author called Y. Ki Wang. And now this one was actually published in 2018 um, and it was her debut novel and it's available in hard copy in our adult fiction section and also as an overdrive ebook. Now, the reason that I checked out this book, well, apart from its extremely enticing title, because I, I had a bit of a nerd alert when I saw chemistry, <laughs> um, but the the actual reason that I checked it out was that I'm in the hold queue for uh, the author's new book that's called Joan is Okay oh, and okay. just published 2022. Now, Joan is Okay is said to be a great reader-like of David Sanchez's uh, All Day is a Long Time. So I definitely feel a book list coming on here. <laughs> but um, I have a hot tip too, because if you ever find yourself on the waiting list for a book, try delving into the author's back catalogue. You'll often discover some real gems. That's true, yeah. And gee, did I ever... Here, so back to chemistry. Oh my God, this book is so good. I loved it. I just shout, shouted that. I, it's all cats. I loved it. Now, it's another 
coming of age story and it's about a 20-something graduate student searching for meaning in her life. You know, and some people might think that this is a trope that's, you know, getting a bit tired. But look, this is an original, funny, devastating sharply observed tale told with a humour that's often quite deadpan. So in the book, our narrator, who is never named, interestingly, is um, three years into her PhD studies in chemistry at a top university in Boston. And her research, her chemical research, has hit a quite a flat point, and, and so has her life. So now she's the daughter of Chinese immigrants from Shanghai and she has grown up in Detroit, Michigan. Her parents are a a true stereotype. They're immensely ambitious for their daughter and they're wanting her to have a better life and to have more opportunities than they ever did. And of course, hard work is everything. Failure is not an option and there is to be no sex before marriage. Okay, of course. So now, unbeknownst to her parents, she's actually living with her non-Asian boyfriend, Eric. And now Eric has just received his PhD in chemistry, so he's a couple of years ahead of her. Eric's a really nice laid-back kind of guy, and he's just proposed to her. And it looks like he's going to accept a teaching position at a university in the Midwest. Now, the thought of this horrifies our narrator, who is really into that East Coast kind of vibe. So the thought of moving to Ohio just is doing her in. So look, she's under enormous pressure to succeed in her research, to get a job, to get married, to have kids, and of course to be happy on top of all of that. Now, the book, look, it uses humour, but it describes the, you know, that devastating reality of being young in today's climate and having to work to the point of basic incapacitation while um, not knowing what you really want and not knowing how to stop and not being able to get off that that kind of escalator to nowhere that so many people find them on. And it sounds all quite grim, but the um, lighter moments in the story are provided by the couple's beautiful golden retriever, who's big and he's a big gentle buff head basically (laughs) and in fact the golden retriever and boyfriend Eric share many traits Um, (laughs) good natured happy go lucky go with the flow don't question the world too much and just (laughs) enjoy your food basically (laughs) but um Eric and the and the dog aren't enough to stop the pressure building on our narrator her chemical synthesis experiments failing and the university crisis phone hotline is always busy you can't even request a call back it's terrible so after she has an epic emotional meltdown in the research laboratory our narrator gets put on medical leave and is ordered to see a psychiatrist but of course this just adds more pressure because she's terrified that her parents will find out that she's in therapy and that she's thinking seriously about abandoning her phd so what follows is hilarious but it's heartbreaking and yet ultimately hopeful too. Look, it's a, a, a book about the state of being in between, like so much of chemistry is actually. And it's about embracing uncertainty and finding love in the most unexpected of places. It's super quirky and I loved it. So um, 
Man, it was good. It was really good. Yes, so that one really sold that one to me, Alison. Yeah. Oh, I think you would like it, even though you're not as nerdy as me. I think <laughs> you'd very much like it. So that's um, Chemistry by YK1. Well, it's so strange because, and we didn't plan this at all, Alison, but oh. I can't believe it. But we've both read books about chemists and dogs that are going to wow you. <laughs> oh, I'm in heaven. <laughs> so I read this one about a month ago and I haven't reviewed it yet, but I'm so looking forward to doing so. It's um, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus and it's published just this year, 2022, and it's available in adult fiction in the historical um, category and it's also available in large print, not an ebook yet. I'm surprised, but I'm sure it'll be on its way. Now, I, I picked up this one because I saw heaps of hype reviews for it and it was stacks of it on display at my local paper plus. And, um, you know, I was like, I've got to read this. And, you know, the hype is so deserved. It's well worth waiting um, for it. The library queue is admittedly long, but there are other copies on order. So um, get in the queue and get ready for this one. So Lessons in Chemistry is set in 1961. So we're, we're talking 40, 50 years before your book there. Mm. Um, and our main character, Elizabeth Zott, is 30 years old. Now, a few years earlier, Elizabeth was working in a university laboratory. She was blazing a trail for herself and other women as a chemist and a scientific researcher in a hugely male-dominated field. Of course, it is still quite male-dominated, mm. isn't it, Alison? But yeah, back then, we're talking, you know, 90, 95%, 99% just about. Yeah. But now, um, in the 1961, Elizabeth is now a solo mother. She's struggling to cover the bills and to keep her sanity while she juggles a poorly paid part-time job. She uh, She's cooking nutritious and delicious meals in her kitchen come home lab. Um, mm. But this is not really stimulating enough for her amazing brain. And she's also caring for her bright daughter, Mad, who she loves very much. But again, uh, motherhood is is getting her down somewhat, I've got to say. Now, then the book jumps back to the mid-50s and it really reveals how Elizabeth's promising career was cut short at the knees um, really quite abruptly. So Elizabeth, you know, has this reputation for stellar work and it regularly puts her male colleagues to shame. And she's also got a bit of a, um, you know, she's her personality and temperament is not really fitting for the 1950s. So she's been, she's refreshingly forthright mm-hmm. when it comes to others, people's ideas and perceptions of what that she should and should not be doing and what she can achieve and or shouldn't be aiming for. Now, when she sort of reluctantly falls in love with another brilliant mind and soulmate who is working down the hall, this campaign of um, real misogyny and jealousy um, kind of kicks up into high gear um, in her workplace. Um, she, her abilities um, are discredited. Uh, others are taking credit for her work. And there's a sort of underlying um, uh, aim to remove her from the lab by any means necessary. And a content warning here, um, this book does deal with um, sexual assault. So mm-hmm. that is a minor spoiler, but I think it's important to mention mm-hmm. that at this point. Now, when Elizabeth offers the chance to be the host of a TV cooking show, she reluctantly accepts it, 
accepts it because she's being offered a paycheck that she's never expected to get, um, even though it does not match her aspirations um, in terms of her career. But Elizabeth looks the part. You know, she's blonde and gorgeous. Um, she speaks beautifully, but she proceeds to toss the script out uh, once she's on camera and she breaks the internet or whatever the equivalent <laughs> is in 1960s California <laughs> by teaching the audience the very serious science behind a successful recipe. And she's also feeding the messages that they should never settle for ordinary. Now, I loved her closing catchphrase. I actually wrote it down on a piece of paper, and then, of course, I lost it. You know how I go, <laughs> Alison. But it's something like, boys, set the table for dinner. Mother's taking a minute. Something like oh, this. I <laughs> like it. This is how we she like ends it. each episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I loved the supporting characters in this book, too. Um, There's some really quirky and beautiful relationships. There was a big emphasis on the importance of found family. Um, there's a, a sort of gruff a neighbor woman across the road who supports Elizabeth and looking after Mad. Um, and they're kind of a tight unit along with the family dog 630. And I can't remember how we got this name, but it's some charming mm-hmm. story to be with that. Alison, you will love this dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 630 is a bit like Nana from Peter Pan. Oh in charge of collecting Mad from school and um, an utterly devoted protector of his people. Um, Elizabeth's got a side project um, with sort of like a scientific project where she's teaching him how to understand words. And <laughs> although she doesn't realise it, he's actually up to about 3,000 plus words by the end of the book. He's well wise behind, beyond his years and beyond his, uh, his species, I guess. <laughs> Now, the author of Lessons in Chemistry, Bonnie Gamas, is a former copywriter, and she's hit the bestseller charts right out of the gate with this stylish, engaging, and a whip-smart debut novel. Now, Bonnie Gamas is in her mid-60s. She's mm. proving Elizabeth's her own character's point perfectly, um, in that it's never too late to follow your dreams and hit the heights. The writing in this book zips along at a cracking pace. There's heaps of snappy, witty dialogue, lots of humour. Um, and there's also a really strong feminist message, which shows the very serious and often, you know, life-threatening, dangerous mm. consequences of gender inequality in practice. But it also provides a lot of air-punch moments mm. for continuing that fight. Um, it, the dialogue reminded me a lot of um, some of the quirky situations in John Irving books. Um, mm. Also the kind of um, the screwball comedies with Catherine Hepburn and other, you know, those sorts of, you know, really um, snappy and sassy women. Yes, and those yeah. trailblazing women too. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, this one hit just about every mark for me. Um, there's quite a few side stories which go down the rabbit holes of the large cast. Um, there's a mystery to unravel. There's a foray into the benefits of rowing for a healthy body mm. and mind. Mm-hmm. Um, there might have been maybe one or two too many diversions um, for me. Um, there is um, also there's a, like an acknowledgement of and passing of um, of people like uh, the civil right in the civil rights movement, like Rosa Parks, the Freedom Riders. Um, there's a couple of other nods through there, but it, I have to say it's definitely squarely focused on the white female middle class experience of the 50s and 60s. Um, but I have to say these are these are pretty minor quibbles um, when you look at the book as a whole. Um, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Gamas. I've got to say, it's charming as all get out. I think a wide base of readers will enjoy it. And I see that um, Brie Larson, it's been picked for um, a TV series and Brie Larson is going to be playing um, Elizabeth Sott and I think that'll be a really great role oh, for her. Yes, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm one of the many in, that, in the queue for that book so I can't wait. 
Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, my next one is um, is a, a bit of a shorty, actually. This one is a little um, a little bit shorter. I read it in just one afternoon. Um, and it's called The Mad Woman's Ball by Victoria Mass. And it's a 2021 historical novel, um, which you'll find at our adult fiction collection. And it's on Libby and Overdrive as well. This is another debut novel. Um, Victoria Maas is um, a French woman, and this was a bestseller in France. I think it's got a little quieter here in New Zealand, but, um, yeah, that's why I'm going to tell you about it. So this is a gothic-tinged historical novel set in 1880s Paris in the, now I'm going to try and pronounce this in French, which I never <laughs> studied, but uh, in the L'Hôpital Salpetriale. So Petriere, how's that? That's very good. <laughs> well done. It's like salt, saltpeter, saltpeter, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now here's a quote from the book to tell you a bit about this uh, hospital. The Salpetriere is a dumping ground for women who disturb the peace, an asylum for those whose sensitivities do not tally with what is expected of them, a prison for women guilty of possessing an opinion. So not not too far, although the timing is, um, what are we talking, like 70 years before Mm. our previous book, Uh, not so far, really. But there's a theme running through. A bit of a theme here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, women are committed to the hospital, or more rightly, I would call it an asylum, for an incredibly wide set of physical and mental conditions, including, you know, minor episodes of depression and anxiety, PTSD stemming from assaults from uh, men in their life, uh, nymphomania in quotes, so basically any sexual behavior that's outside of uh, wedlock, or straight wedlock, I should say. And a host of other reasons, including breaking the social contract by not doing what your father or your husband mm. tells you to. You can get locked up for this. And unfortunately, the, the pattern seems to be that you don't come out again. Now, the action in the book focuses on Eugenie. Now, she's a well-off, well-educated young woman who, after, after admitting to a family member that she often sees and hears spirits who have passed, is thrown into an, the asylum by her father. Now, the second main character is the head nurse of the hospital, Genevieve. Now, Genevieve's been working in the hospital for 20 years. She started as a young woman. Um, and despite all of the years of experience and the trust that her patients have in her, um, she's still firm, firmly held in this very narrow lane by her mentor, Dr. Charcot. Now, Genevieve is um, has has a long-term, um, is long-term grieving for her younger sister who was lost um, to a disease in her teens. And uh, she's writing letters every day to, or just about every day to her, um, to her sister, which she pops in a box. Now, Eugenie, um, on being locked up in here, she's desperate to get out. She um, lets Genevieve know that she has seen this younger sister and heard her and convinces Genevieve um well, tries to convince Genevieve that, you know, her her younger sister is trying to pass on messages through her. Now, um, Genevieve's faith in science medicine is completely shaken by this and she just does not know what to believe anymore. 
Now, Dr. Shao who is in the book, is a fictionalized version of an actual historical figure. Oh, I wondered. Yeah. 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 Before. I wasn't familiar with me, but um, yes, uh, apparently he had decades of field work and research in the area of neurology. Mm-hmm. And um, it was mainly con- conducted at this asylum in Paris. Oh. So um, there's not a lot, to be honest, there wasn't a lot of detail and uh, there wasn't like an epilogue or any kind of notes that told us about the historical, um, you know, how um, Victoria Maas researched this book. But there were scenes in the book where Shako is hypnotizing women in front of a stage of 200 people once a week, uh, which were quite stark and disturbing to um, to read. Um, you know, people coming to see women basically in states of collapse and loss of control as a form of entertainment. And sadly, some of the women find that this is the only way that they're valued by having a fit on stage, basically. Now, once a year, though, um, the women of the, um, the mad women, as they're called, get their turn in the spotlight. There's a ball that's held where the cream of Paris are invited to visit the asylum in all their finery, mingle with the patients who are dressed up in costume and take home lurid stories of the mad women of Paris. So this book just covers three weeks um, leading up to the night of the ball and what happens on the night. But I won't be giving you any spoilers for that. Like I said, it's just a quick shot. It's just over 200 pages. Um, well, I don't know. It was um, it was probably a solid three stars for me. But I think, you know, if you're into a, sh- um, a quick, short, um, and, yeah, definitely gothic-tinged historical novel, give it a go. It sounds very, re- re- very interesting. Well, look, um, moving back to the present day, um, I can tell you about another one written by a, a very young writer, um, and this is called New York, My Village. And this is a novel by the writer Uwim Akpan, and it was published in 2021, and we've got it in hard copy in our adult fiction section. So in this book, um, our main character, Ikong Utasoru, is a Nigerian writer and editor who is curating a collection of stories about the Nigerian Civil War, which ran from 1967 to 1970. And in doing so, Ikong is facing up to the brutal history of his homeland, both during and after British colonisation. Now, he's thrilled when an American publishing fellowship gives him the opportunity to continue his work in New York while learning the ins and outs of the industry. So, Ekong's from a, a tiny village in Nigeria, and he's naively optimistic about what lies ahead of him in New York. After all, he'd grown up on a diet of American television. He spoke American English. So, how hard could life be in America for an African man, right? It's got to be easy. So, anyway... What he discovers when he gets to New York is that most of his neighbours there are hostile to him, with the exception of Keith, who is African-American and is on quite a spiritual journey of his own. Now, Econ's immediate colleagues in Manhattan meet him with kindness and hospitality, but he's really confused by Molly, one of the publishers who passes as white. He doesn't understand why she feels the need to be someone she's not. So sadly, but perhaps not 
surprisingly, Econ is soon exposed to the publishing industry's ruthlessly commercial underbelly and solid base of white cultural superiority and racist assumptions about Africa and its people and to add insult to injury, it's food. Now, food, as we know, is a great leveller and it's something that brings people together as we know from watching all those food shows on, on the telly. And so a shared Thanksgiving dinner helps heal some deep wounds and our diverse bunch of characters begin to realise that so often there is more that binds us together than actually divides us. Mm. Now, look, this is wicked satire and a comedy of errors. It's funny and sad and excruciatingly painful all at once. The author, Uwen Uppan, reminds us of the, the devastation of civil war. He's searingly observant about all the ways that tribalism defines life everywhere from the villages of Africa right through to the villages of New York City. Mm-hmm. And he shows us in some of the most hilarious ways that bureaucracies are all the same, whether you're in Nigeria or the USA, and that human behaviour is the same, that greed, goodness, any human quality that you can think of are the same, and including the often our um, those contradictory behaviours that we all show that are are just ripe for satire. Mm -hmm. It's a book that's full of heart and hope. Um, And as an added bonus, it's hilarious in a way that a good, sharp satire should be. I'm such a fan of satirical works. I, I think they can often be used in place of uncomfortable conversations. Um, he does really good things with his satire. He's the, it's sharp, but it's gentle. Mm. Um, and self-aware readers will recognise things that they may have said or done in the past and, and begin to reflect on these behaviours. So, look, I just loved this. I highly recommend it. And it's called New York, My Village by Uwim Akpan. So, look, what a... Gr- great amount of material we've got or an amount of great material (laughs) so um, to our listeners thank you for tuning in today we hope we've given you some good recommendations um take care be kind to yourselves happy reading Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day.